Hello there. It's time for most things Kenobi. I prefer all things Kenobi, but I suppose that's not the Jedi way. As long as it's not all things Anakin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Leanne. And I'm your host, Lauren. And we'd like to start, as usual, with uh, a quick thank you to the amazing James Arnold Taylor for recording our intro. James Arnold Taylor, as some of you may know, is the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi on The Clone Wars, and we are eternally grateful for the recordings that he provided to us. So thank you so much, James. Everyone get over to his social media and follow him and tell him that most things Kenobi sent you. And this week, to do the flip side to the dark side of last week's episode talking about what makes a great Jedi and who our favorite Jedi are, we're going to talk about what makes a great Sith if there is such a thing. This was fun. I actually looked up, I googled the term what makes a good Sith and there's all these arguments of like, can Sith be good people still? And I was like, that's not really what we're... That's not what we're talking <laughs> that's about. That's not what we're looking nice for. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think in this sense, when I think um, what makes a good Sith, I'm, I'm thinking brutality. I'm thinking manipulation. I'm thinking uh, the darkest use of the force ever. Yeah. You know. For um, sure. Well, while I was looking, too, I kind of, I, I agree with you, like, on all those things. But I also came across things that, like, kind of surprised me about the Sith that I hadn't mm-hmm. ever really thought about before. So I'm excited to to, to dive into this. Yeah. <laughs> Last week, we kind of started with um, reading the Jedi Code. So I guess since we're flipping things around this week, why don't we read the Sith Code and we can analyze that as we go along and talk about what makes a great Sith, right? Perfect, I love it. So for those who do not know what the Sith Code is, allow me to read it. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The Force shall set me free. So, there's a lot there. Same Mm -hmm. as the Jedi Code. Um... (laughs) It's basically like the total opposite of the Jedi Code. It, it, it takes the Jedi Code and says, fuck you, it's more like this. <laughs> take your peace and shove it up your ass. Take your, yeah, take your peace-loving asses and get the fuck out of here. I mean, right off the bat, peace is a lie, bitch. <laughs> like, they come right out of the gate, right? Peace is a lie, bitch. There is only passion. I'm getting that tattooed on my body in Arabesh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a lovely tattoo. What does it say? What does it mean? <laughs> Peace is a lie, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. But, you know, these these things mentioned in the Sith Code aren't necessarily bad individually. No. Passion's not bad. When you're passionate about something, you're really into it. You're really, you know, you're go-getter. You you love it. You breathe it. You, you know. Right. Strength is a great thing to have. Personal strength, mental strength, physical strength. Power, that gets a little muddier. Mm-hmm. Victory, that can, nah, now, we're, now we're treading lines. Yeah, that gets a little more, like, subjective. Like, victory 
Over what exactly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And through power, I gain victory. So you're exercising your power for domination, I would for rewrite. Gains. Personal yeah. gain. Yeah. yeah. And yet they reference the force. The force shall, shall free me. Um, yeah. So they say the force will set me free. But then like the ultimate goal of all Sith is power. Yeah. Right? Strength yeah. and power and uh, everything about what the Sith strive for is basically power and dominance. And it's like, but for what? Like, once you achieve that, do you get bored? <laughs> like, then what happens? I mean, Sidious never got bored. No, Sidious always found something else to do. <laughs> he was having a great time. He's like, look at all the puppet strings I have, and I can do all of them all at once for over multiple generations, you know. Even while I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I mean, if you think about like here on planet Earth, right? Um, if you think of the most ruthless rulers on this planet, they just wanted more. It was never enough. Right. They wanted more. They, they wanted more. So they were never satiated and they just couldn't stop themselves. Right. And that's that's basically the definition of who uh, Sidious slash Palps truly is. You know, yeah. he just couldn't stop. Yeah. It's really true. I mean, and they're, like, driven by their emotion, right? Especially, like, hate and anger mm -hmm. and greed. They also didn't care about the cost no. of their power grab. You know, even, like, Palpatine's a great example. The cost was his own physical body. Mm -hmm. You know, he was completely scarred and alienated everybody he was around and had multiple apprentices turned against mm -hmm. him or that he turned against. Mm -hmm. There is no thought to the sacrifices that you make for your power. Well, that references through power I gain victory. And it's, I suppose, like, the more planets they blow up, the more civilizations they overthrow, the more people they enslave, that is what they consider their victory. Which, yeah, I guess if we're talking numbers, that would make a great Sith. But I think there's I think there's more to it than just, uh, you know, numbers. I think there's, there's a fighting aspect. Obviously, their ability to wield... Their lightsaber. I mean, Darth Maul comes straight to mind, first and foremost. Oh, yeah. Um, incredible use of the Force and uh, mind power manipulation. His ability to be cerebral and talk through things and really, you know, manipulate in that manner. Yeah, I think he's he's probably my favorite Sith because he is a little... Yeah, he's a, he's a little wild in the, in the old... <laughs> up in the brain. <laughs> up in the brain. It's true, though. I mean, like, he is cerebral, and I think that's why I loved him in Clone Wars. I mean, he was great in Phantom Menace, but he literally, like, barely got to do anything before they threw him down a reactor right. shaft. <laughs> so Sam, <laughs> Sam Witwer's performance made it really cerebral and psychological. That is so much more mm -hmm. frightening to me sometimes than just, like, brute strength, which is can be scary, of course, but... Yeah, I, I love Maul. He's he's terrifying. <laughs> but in all the best ways. So what do you think of Tyrannus then? Because he's, uh, he's a bit manipulative. He's also a good strategist. And one of the calmest fighters I've ever seen. He's got that poise. Oh yeah, he's very composed. I feel like he was disillusioned by the Jedi. He was. You know, I think he saw the hypocrisy in some of their teachings and maybe saw the limitations that that put on them. Also, he was selfish and it was all about yeah. personal gain at some points. You know, like, again, 
I think I would get bored. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's probably why, like, I can't be a villain yes. necessarily because, like, if all I'm doing is all this selfish stuff just to gain power, I'll get bored with that. Well, there, so. there, you, there's an element of derangement there that's necessary to keep that going, and you're not deranged, at least that I know of. <laughs> that's true. Although I will say that, like, of all the Sith, I think I'd be the most like Maul. Oh, really? <laughs> because he's not driven by power. Like, he, I mean, like, okay, he does start forming his own mafia, but, like... <laughs> this is true. I think he's so distracted by his personal vendetta. Yes. That that's why he's a little more interesting because it's like he's a Sith and he has like ulterior motives, but also like he really just wants to kill Kenobi. Yeah, that's all all he can think about. One goal. He's, 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 you can't say he wasn't focused. Well, I mean, from Phantom Menace through Clone Wars and Rebels, that's like all he can talk about. Right. (laughs) Yeah. If you think of Asajj Ventress, she's an example of one of many. Now, she she wasn't a true Sith, right? She was uh, an apprentice, if you will, who practiced right. the dark side, right? That they, like, cloaked under the term assassin. Yeah, there you go. To get past the rule of two. Right. So, <laughs> if you think about her, she was wronged by someone she trusted. That drove her. Um, Maul, wronged by somebody. That drove him. Vader, wronged by someone that drove him. Well, you could say he was wronged by Palps, but he was also Everyone. wronged by the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he, he was focused for several reasons. But a lot of these people, these these Sith, or at least the Darksiders, had like a vendetta that drove them. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they pull from their hate, and that's how they get. Well, and Palpatine didn't yeah and maybe that's why he was the strongest Sith. so something i read that was really interesting was they don't build their relationship of the rule of two like master and apprentice on trust mm-hmm. their relationship is based on strength and basically punishing weakness mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. of you so what i read said that the sith were always the apprentices were always watching their masters for a moment of weakness to mm-hmm. overthrow them. And the master was always looking for weakness on the apprentice to replace mm-hmm. them if a more worthy student presented themselves. So Palpatine wasn't really <laughs> overthrown by anybody. I mean, maybe part of it is because he'd never had a vendetta that mm-hmm. he was distracted by. He was just playing his little puppet yeah. game, making his little... Yeah, Empire. and he forgot the one thing that could take him down, which was love. The love for another. Yeah. He misjudged his faith in Vader remaining a cold-hearted, bitter person who would just do whatever he wanted. Especially when faced with his own son. Anakin's thing, and I think I actually wrote this in one of my fan fictions, right? It's like, Anakin is afraid of the loss of control. A hero and a villain, villains are afraid of fate, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't like death They don't feel comfortable with death. And he's standing there watching his son throw his lightsaber away, saying, Mm -hmm. I'd rather die. That's real courage, like no fear of death. It's not even like a lack of fear. It's just doing it even if you're afraid. I think Palpatine underestimated that impact on Vader to see that. I don't know. That's just my personal headcanon, I guess. (laughs) Well, no, I, you know, because there was, 
there's always good in him, right? Right. So um, I'm pretty sure that not to go down this rabbit hole, which I always go down, but Vader saw a little bit of Padme and his son, saw a little bit of himself in Better Times and his son. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't going to let that go. Definitely. So what makes a great Sith? One who overcomes it. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I have this... <laughs> I have this thing written here. I just wrote down a weird mix of passion in all exclamation points. Ooh. But mixed with like this weird sense of secrecy, right? So yes. the Jedi were all about ignoring, well, like ignoring their passion and being impassive and neutral mm-hmm. so that they're not ruled by their emotions. Mm-hmm. And the Sith are the opposite. They are like filling themselves with emotion mm-hmm. and passion to like feel that strength. But then they conceal their identities. Yeah. Right? So they conceal how much they know. They conceal how much, who they really are. They're always trying to one-up each other. Like for the, find the weakness in the other so they can overthrow them like you mentioned. Right. So imagine the disparate emotions going on in you of like being filled with like rage and passion and having to like conceal that and hide it all the time. A normal person that would destroy you. Right. (laughs) You would explode. Well, the chains are broken and the force shall free me. (laughs) You know, I guess that's where that part comes in. (laughs) Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. So it's a testament to how good Ian McDermott's performance is. Mm -hmm. That like he changes on a dime being Palpatine and then he's suddenly insidious and it's terrifying. I wonder if there was something there with that. (laughs) Was there something buried there that... Sidious slash Palps never uh, revealed to anybody. Got dual personality. I mean, it'd probably make it easier, right? Well, he was the master. I I say if there's a great if there's the greatest Sith. I mean, people would argue that Darth Bane is the the greatest, and and they have their points. But I still think that Sidious is because of the absolute manipulation of an entire galaxy over the span of yeah. how many years? Like yeah, he's just um. He's a fixture he in Star Wars. Senate. He is yeah. the Senate. <laughs> he is the Senate. Cue the memes. <laughs> I have my personal thoughts on who I... I mean, I, I love Anakin, so I love Darth Vader, and I love Darth Vader, so I love Anakin, but I like him as a Sith because he's so formidable. His presence is mm-hmm. literally frightening. It's pants-shitting frightening. <laughs> Especially at the end of Rogue One. Holy fuck. That deserves its own episode, I'm just going to say. But for the sake of time and for the sake of this episode, I'm just going to say I cried and I still cry every time I see that scene. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Done. Done with my rant. There. <laughs> Literally, that's the Vader we all wanted and we were given. Amazing. Yes. It spikes my blood pressure every single time I watch it. <laughs> it's so... Well edited. The timing is so good in that scene. Think of that scene, though. It's got everything. I feel like, um, what's his name from Saturday Night Live? It has, it. this club has everything. What's his name? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> I love that character. I can't think of his name. Stefan. Stefan. This scene has everything. It's got a really angry oh Sith. It's got ruthless fighting. It's got cutting someone in half on the roof. It's got scared rebels screaming for their life and shitting their pants. It has it all. Thanks for being here, Stefan. (laughs) Seriously, though, but that scene has everything. (laughs) It does. It's like one of the best moments in all of Star Wars. It's so short, but so poignant, and it 
just packs a punch. I love it. It is the scariest version of Vader. And if you ever hop from that right into A New Hope, Vader seems very calm. Well, he's had he's had <laughs> a moment. Very chill, he's, considering. He's had a yeah. minute to be like, son of a bitch. <laughs> After, and he has that dramatic pose where yes. he's standing on the edge of the, like, destroyed shit. And it's even better that it's his daughter and he doesn't even know it. So the Knights of the Old Republic and the Old Republic had several excellent Sith, a lot of which are, many would consider the basis of what a good Sith is. Yeah. I'm still kind of in the, you know, the, the movie realm, the original trilogy realm. I would say that my, my choice is still Sidious. Yeah, same. And Maul. And Maul. You can't go yeah. wrong with that. Really, he's, he's crazy. <laughs> he's nuts. He is. And I don't know if it would have the impact if it wasn't Sam Witwer, you know, that brought him Very to true. life in that way, like brought totally. him back to life, I should say. Sam Witwer is a genius and a talented individual and someone who really, really breathed life into a character that ha- already had the beginnings of so many layers that could have really went somewhere. But after they brought Maul back, spoiler alert, <laughs> Maul comes back, everybody. Um, you should know this they- by now. <laughs> right? <laughs> After they brought him back, they gave Sam Whitworth through his voice gave him a whole new level of dominance in the world of using the force for dark reasons. Yeah. And then oh my god, the season seven stuff was so good. This requires its own like gushy episode. So just just like for, for everyone listening, just like we had an all Luke episode, and we'll have several more because you can't just cover Luke in one episode. We will have individual character episodes. Ahsoka, Darth Maul, Kenobi, if we haven't already stated that this would be <laughs> about most things Kenobi. Every now and then we might mention him. I yeah, every now and then. Just every now and then. But, you know, all the characters. We're going to go through the big ones and even the lesser known ones and dissect them. But I believe that a Maul slash Sam Witwer appreciation episode is in order for sure. Absolutely. Please. Please and thank you. Something I found really interesting that I kind of, I did not know this, Mm -hmm. was that the Sith were Jedi back in the old Republic Mm -hmm. time. And it was a rogue Jedi that broke loose from, basically turned his back on the Jedi ethos and believed that the path to power was through the dark side. Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize that the Sith started as Jedi. You know what that is comparable to? The religious Mm -hmm. analogy of um, the fallen angel. He betrays God, if you will, and the other angels, and he falls, becomes the devil, and starts his own clan. That's so (laughs) interesting. Also, very similar to Tom Riddle in Harry Potter. Oh, shit. (laughs) I'm telling you, I love a good theme, right? I mean, yeah, it's the it's these uh, the themes of mythology and religion, all yes, that stuff plays into absolutely. Like, it keeps it's a recurring theme throughout all our Greek lives. Mythology has it too. It, I mean, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, it's a good one though because as they say, in order to have light, you must have dark. In order to appreciate the good, you must have the bad. So that's two sides of a coin that must exist in some kind of, I wouldn't say harmony, but they must exist together in order to... Right. How could you know one without the other? Otherwise, it would just exactly. be nothing. It would yeah. negate itself and be neutral. And that, in and of itself, is Buddhist in nature mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So it's super fascinating. I love this kind of stuff. So the speaking of like the old Jedi and the old Sith, you and I talked about this a little before we started recording, but I also had forgotten that the Jedi Temple on Coruscant was built 
on top of a Sith shrine. And I just yes, wrote they here, were fucked. I wrote here in all capital letters, holy shit, bad idea. Yeah, no, it was, uh, <laughs> they were fucked from the start. They didn't even have a chance. They thought they would contain, like the whole point, I guess, was to contain the dark power. But like, I think all it did was corrupt you from the inside out. You know, it, it creates this negative energy you're sitting on top of all the time. That's, that's awful. It essentially blinded them to um, Palpatine's tricks. I mean, yeah, or played a part in, I should say. I mean, there was a lot going on. It wasn't just yeah. one single one thing. One of many contributing factors. Right. There. It di- certainly didn't help. Did not help at all. So you mentioned um, the Sith being ruled by their emotions. Definitely a fact, mm-hmm. right? But not everyone who experiences strong emotions are dominated by them and turned to the dark side, right? That's so true. Yeah. I had this thought when I was reading about the neutrality of the Jedi and their impassivity and how the Sith are like driven by their emotions and they fill themselves up with emotion, which is what Luke did, right? Like this is why Yoda was so concerned that Luke was leading with his feelings and like leading with passion and why he had to like run off to help his friends. Mm -hmm. Because that's the path to the dark side. But that's what makes Luke so special, Mm -hmm. or at least unique, I guess, because he led with his emotions and never turned to the dark side. And that I just thought was really fascinating. I don't know. It's just something that came up to me while I was reading all about the Sith. (laughs) A perfect contrast if you think about how haughty and uh, emotionally driven and fast that Anakin was as a Jedi. Yeah. You know, obviously Luke picked up... Leia picked up some of that, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, Skywalker's 100% through and through, right? But Luke was able to temper that as well. So mm-hmm. definitely made him unique. They're also, Luke and Leia are also half Padme. Oh, absolutely. Because actually, I thought that too, that like Leia is also very like driven by her passion. Yes. You know, after Return of the Jedi, she started training, doing Jedi training. She was a passionate person. The choices you make, again, are the things that really Mm -hmm. set you either on the path of the dark side or the light side. It's the way you react to the situation. The the awareness that Leia had, though, that she had that characteristic about her and she knew what happened to her father and thus she laid a lot of that down. She could have been incredible. Yeah. She was incredible, right? She could have been, you know, as far as like a mirror to Luke in the Jedi sense. Leia was incredible in an infinite amount of ways. But she could have also been an incredible Jedi. But she laid it down because she she saw the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, she has too much of her father in her. And she knew it. And she did not right. even want to take the chance of that turning into something. Which is so funny because everyone says about Luke. He's right, got too right. much of his father in him. And he chose to still right. move forward with his passion and his training and all of that. I just, it's so fun. The dichotomy there is really fascinating. They're a beautiful set of people, Luke and Leia, honestly. Space twins. Space twins. Ah! <laughs> Switching gears back to talking about the Sith. The thing I love, which I think you find this interesting too, is that their sense of passion, like a Sith sense of passion um, and their dark emotions prevented them from mm-hmm. establishing a bond with kyber crystals. Yes. And so they they needed to bleed their kyber crystal, which results in their red blade. And some Sith believe yes. like, you have to steal your crystal from a Jedi 
and then make it bleed. That's like darkly, sickly interesting. <laughs> it's really, it's really amazing in the fact that there's a process there that fits perfectly with what they stand for, the mm-hmm. Sith. Yeah. And and basically everyone on the dark side, you know, who is on the dark side, but um, such a converse, uh, like, to how the Jedi mm-hmm. attain theirs, you know, through self-reflection and uh, calls to them. and The crystal chooses them. and Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's this whole, like, spiritual thing, and then the Sith are just trying to kill and bleed it. I mean, it's literally, it's fascinating, I think. Yeah, I mean, they say it's like a living being kind of that's connected to the Force and then the Sith just twist it and brutalize it so that it obeys them. That's pretty That's pretty crazy. Someone like Savage has a double, <laughs> double-sided lightsaber. He's extra mean. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> to your point about the Sith taking a kyber crystal from the Jedi and bleeding it, if you think about Ahsoka, who achieved her white light her dual white lightsabers that she then uses in rebels um Mm -hmm. this comes from the ahsoka novel she takes her kyber crystals back from the uh, sixth brother so like there's the seventh sister the sixth brother you know the the inquisitors right and she purifies she purifies them and that's why they're white and so it's, it's the exact opposite of like the sith bleeding it she actually takes it back and purifies them so i think that's kind of neat yeah um, and kind of symbolic in a way, if you think about who her master used to be and, you know, the yeah, fate definitely. that awaited both of them. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool um, that that was added in. That's really interesting. Well, and I, to that effect, I heard people say, well, like, what's the explanation then for Mace Windu? Oh, I don't, he's a whole nother, he's another. <laughs> right. Because this, I mean, obviously it could just be a Jedi could also have a purple lightsaber, but he's the only one with one. I mean, since Mara Jade doesn't exist anymore, wasn't she the only other with a purple? Oh, oh yeah. one of the um, the Solo kids, the Solo slash Skywalker kids had a purple lightsaber, Oh, did they? Right? I didn't know that. Jaina? Didn't Jaina have one? I don't know. I knew that Mara Jade did. So to wrap this up, who would be your your great Sith? What would your uh, your favorite Sith, the, the best Sith, the, you know... Who is your good Sith? Mine is definitely Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he is batshit crazy. And Amen. I love that about him. <laughs> yes. Who can argue against that? Not me. <laughs> He's just like eloquent and terrifying and driven, but like out of his goddamn mind. And that's what I love him And for. it is a beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's so great. And an impeccable fighter. I mean, let... Damn. Even, like I've said before, even at a set of metal chicken legs, he's terrifying. Absolutely. I 100% agree. So who would your choice be? I have two, and they're both because of their galactic influence. Darth Bane, because he created the rule of two. I mean, he was the only surviving Sith after the, you know, the giant war long before the Clone Wars. And so he saw a need for the rule of two. And so he's pretty legendary because of that. Because without that, we wouldn't have ever gotten to Luke's, the finale and the, the Luke. Which is interesting because Mark Hamill voiced him in the right? Wars. He voiced Darth Bane. Right? <laughs> it's full circle, people. We love it. We love you, Mark <laughs> Hamill, for everything. And then, of course, Darth Sidious. Because, I mean, how can you argue with a man who is that manipulative, that ugly, that ruthless, that much of a pain in the ass. And he, who manipulated my beloved Anakin, 
and got his ass yeah. kicked in the end by it. So that's right. Um, got his ass thrown down, thrown a, down reactor a reactor shaft, shaft like a little bitch. Yep. So <laughs> suck on that, Sidious. <laughs> okay, those are my two. The rule of two: I got Darth Bane and Darth Sidious. There you have it. <laughs> So last week, we asked our listeners who they thought the best Jedi was. Not necessarily your favorite Jedi, but who you thought was the greatest Jedi and why. We got some really great responses. Over on YouTube, Enrinte, please forgive me if I mispronounced your username, I really apologize, left an amazing response that we want to share with you. They said, So I think having emotions and strong compassion for others, but still being able to remain objective is a really important quality for a Jedi to have. Another big part of what makes a Jedi is learning from their experiences and mistakes, and that those who encompass those the most, to me, are Luke, Qui-Gon, and Ahsoka, as you both said. I do think Obi-Wan is also an excellent example of a Jedi, but as you said, sometimes his loyalties to the Council slash the Code work to his detriment. As well, your guy's point about Obi-Wan being very steadfast and assertive in everything but his personal life is so true. He's very confident on the battlefield when he has a code to follow, yet all of his doubts and insecurities are always due to his personal matters. Poor guy. <laughs> it's so true. But not to imply those struggles necessarily make him a worse person slash Jedi for it. His conflicted feelings are quite natural and hard to navigate, but I still think Ahsoka, Qui-Gon, and Luke are the best three examples based on the Jedi Code. Because to me, they seem to all have achieved the most inner peace so they can always fight objectively. But yeah, I also think there isn't one truly perfect Jedi, and there never will be, just like there is no perfect person in real life. Everyone's different experiences, outlooks, strengths, and weaknesses are all very valuable. But despite that, as Jedi, hopefully they all try to remain compassionate and objective. I really loved this response. So did Leanne. She actually texted me as soon as it came in. She saw it come in on YouTube and was like, this is amazing. And I totally agree. You make some amazing points, especially that there is probably no such thing as a perfect Jedi, just like there's no such thing as a perfect person. We're all just trying to navigate our worlds, right? And do the best that we can. And I'm sure that's what every Jedi was doing as well. So thank you so much for your response. That was amazing. On Instagram, I ran a questionnaire and on Twitter, Leanne ran a poll to see who people think was the perfect Jedi. And we were really surprised. The most common response was Qui-Gon. We did get some Ahsoka, we got some Luke and a, a few Obi-Wans, but the majority of people listed Qui-Gon as the perfect ideal Jedi. And it's mostly because he doesn't follow the code and because he doesn't like take every word the council says is doctrine, you know? So we thought that was pretty interesting. Thank you so much to everybody who responded, who participated in our questionnaires. We really appreciate it. So our question this week to our wonderful listeners is, who is the best Sith in your mind and why? Or I have a general question just for, for out of sheer curiosity. I see a bunch of people who love the stuff with the Empire symbol. They wear the Empire clothes, they wear the Empire symbol, they love Stormtrooper gear, um, they love Darth Vader stuff, they love, they just love the whole dark side. And my question is, why? I'm not judging, I literally want to know what draws you to that side? Just a general question. We've been so grateful for all the feedback we've gotten so far. Thank you to everyone 
who has responded to these questions. It is so fun. It really is. Reading your answers. Yeah, the reception we've received thus far has been super flattering, but also incredibly fun and exactly what we were hoping for. The feedback, not yeah. not just the feedback, but the back and forth, the commentary, the the, the excitement, yes. the, the joining the enthusiasm. in. enthusiasm. Yeah, it's been really yeah. fun. That's exactly what we were hoping for with this sort of thing. So thank you. Next week, we have a very fun topic. This is highly requested. The Corky Kenobi Kree's conundrum. Yes! Is Corky a Kenobi? Is he just Satine's nephew for real? We will speculate. Yes, a great speculation will be had. And you know what would be great is if Dave Filoni answered it for us. We cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say about the subject. Yeah, all of the Obi-Wan and Satine theorists out there, <laughs> get your thinking caps and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. Remember to follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. For your one-stop shop, you can always find us over at mostthingskenobi.com. So until next time, my space twin, may the force be with you. Always. Always.